Awesome. Well, today, this Sunday, um, we're going to take this Sunday and it's going to be, we, we've done this in the past, but it's going to be a summer rerun. In the beginning of the year, from the second Sunday, or, or the Sunday after Christmas, um, we started talking about clarity. And um, today I'm going to rerun what we talked about in those messages leading up to our Vision Sunday concerning clarity and just talk about what the first half of this year has looked like. Um, we've just completed the first half of the year, starting into the second half of the year in this month of July. And, uh, and I, I, wanna, I just want to reiterate some things that we talked about that I feel like are at a height in, in most of your life right now. I, I, I believe that the Word of God is brought and is bringing and developing clarity where you're seeing clearly, where you're hearing clearly, and knowing what God is telling you. Um, if you didn't listen to those messages on clarity, I would really encourage you to go back, like I said, the first Sunday after uh, Christmas 2018, uh, through the 27th, Sunday the 27th, uh, uh, we had Word First in there also, but um, uh, every Sunday and Wednesday we, we ministered on clarity and what it, what it looks like. And the Lord gave me, right at, right at the end of the year, gave me a word about opportunity. And He gave me this, He said, He said, the door of opportunity is open. And Actually, he said that the door is open, but door represents opportunity, and Jesus also says he is the door. And um, he is the opportunity. He is what all of what we do is about. He, he's it. He's everything. So he is the door. And when we know him, when we know the Father through Jesus Christ by the person of the Holy Spirit, when we know him, the more we know Him, the clearer things get according to the plan He has in the earth because if we're born again and we're going to live in the kingdom of God and we're going to do what God wants, then we have to do things His way. We have to do things His way. As we just talked about in communion, obeying God. You, you, you can't obey something you're not clear on. Um, for a number of years as a pastor, I, I would talk to people or talk to groups or leadership or whatever, and I would say things, and, and then and I thought they knew exactly what I meant. And then when I didn't see something happen a certain way, you know, I, I would be confused. And so I've learned through the years that never, never take for granted that people understand what you're saying, Right? Uh, people can hear you, but not really hear you. And you've got to take the time to make sure that people not just hear you with these ears, but they, they're hearing you in here. makes a huge difference. And um, in uh, 3 John, little John's in the back, 3 John verse 2, he said, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. 
For I greatly rejoiced when brethren came and testified of the truth that's in you, just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. God's greatest joy on the planet is when he hears and he sees his kids doing what he says. Amen? Verse 3, I want to read that again. For I rejoiced greatly when brethren came to testify of the truth that is in you. What we talked about at the beginning of the year comes out of a passage I'm going to read in Zechariah in a moment. But what we talked about at the first of the year was people following truth. People follow truth. Evangelism, to evangelize the world, is to be a person of truth, stand behind the truth, follow through with what you say you're going to do, and as you do those things, people become impressed and they follow after that. People follow the truth. They don't know it, but they are, because everybody on the planet is looking for God, and most people don't even realize that's what they're looking for. They're looking for the, they're trying to find themselves. You ever heard people talk like that? I mean, I probably said that somewhere down the road, but, but people are always talking about trying to find themselves. You find yourself in the truth. Every person that walks the planet was created in the image of God, and truth is the only thing that unlocks the door to destiny. If you don't know the truth, he said, I have no greater joy than to find my children walking in the truth. Why? Because then they're going to find out what the plan is, and then you stick with the plan, then you get the goods. This is the way it works. In the book of Zechariah, I want to read this. We read this at the beginning of the year, and I want to read the first, uh, chapter 8 and verse 1, I want to read the first eight verses, and then I want to read the last verse. And I just want to remind you of a couple things that we looked at and talked about in verse 1. Again, the word of the Lord of hosts came, saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, I am zealous for Zion. We won't go into all that we talked about concerning that, but Zion represents the church. In this present day, Zion represents the church. I am zealous for Zion with great zeal. Who's saying this? The Lord is. I'm zealous for the church with great zeal. With great fervor, I am zealous for her. Thus says the Lord, I will return to Zion and dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Jerusalem shall be called the city of truth or the city that is faithful. The mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. Thus says the Lord of hosts, old men and old women shall again sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each one with his staff in hand because of great age. The streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets. What does it sound like? People fulfilled, right? People with joy, people with purpose, people not fretting and stressed and anxiety and stuff trying to overtake them day to day and everything that they face. God said here, God himself said, I am zealous for Zion. I'm zealous for the church to be this way again. Thus says the Lord of hosts, verse 6, if it is marvelous in the eyes of the remnant of this people in these days, Will it also be marvelous in my eyes, says the Lord of hosts. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will save my people from the land of the east and from the land of the west. In verse 8, 
I will bring them back and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. They shall be my people and I will be their God in what? In truth and righteousness. I w- they shall be my people and I will be their God in truth and righteousness. If you're born again, Jesus is Savior to you if you're born again. Jesus only becomes the Lord of your life if you submit to Him. Through what? Through truth. In other words, if you submit to Him and you do things His way, then He's Lord in your life. He's the one, the word Lord is defined as, the, as like, like a governor on a ship that, that, that controls the rudder of a ship and, and directs it in the way that it goes. God begins to direct. God, the, the, the steps of a righteous man are ordered of, of the Lord. They're ordered of God if the person is righteous, and if you're born again, you're the righteousness of God, but if you don't know you're the righteousness of God, then you're the righteousness of God not living like you're right with God. God can't be your Lord because you're not looking to Him for answers, you're looking everywhere else and allowing life and situations to stress you out. In other words, what happens, and I say this over and over and over again, but I say it again, what happens is you become more convinced of the things you see and hear, present conditions, than the promises of God. Only in truth and righteousness will He be our God and we be His people. I didn't say that we're not born again, that we're not part of the family of God. If you're born again, you are whether you live right or not. People may disagree with me concerning that, but if a person has no understanding of the truth and they're not walking in the truth, they're not going to follow after God. They won't follow after Him because they're born again. Too much pressure. Too much stuff. Too many things from every direction and every angle. So, I talked about at the the beginning of the year that the clarity is vital for more than one reason. I need to be clear of the things of God for more than just myself. Now, The definitions that I gave you concerning clarity were clearness. Clarity is to be able to comprehend. Clarity is transparent. Clarity defined is nothing hidden. Clarity is also defined as absolute assurance. One of the, one of the translate one of the uh, the dictionaries that I got that I looked up that word clarity, it was defined as absolute assurance. When you're clear, you're absolutely convinced. All through Scripture, especially in the New Testament, we see the Apostle Paul say time and time again that he's absolutely persuaded and confident that what God has promised, he's able to perform. Abraham said. That he's absolutely confident that what God had promised, he's able to perform. The Apostle Peter said, I'm absolutely confident that what God has promised, he's able to perform in different words and in different situations. And all three of those guys doubted heavily in the beginning. Doubted heavily in the beginning. 
Clarity delivers us from doubt and unbelief. I'm going to say something to you today that I didn't say in this series before, but I'm, I'm going to say this right now. And I want, you to, I want you to close your eyes just for a minute and listen to what I say. It's very, very simple, but I want you to get this. God is inside of you. And today, I want you to remember this phrase. I heard God say this to me over a year ago. And I've been saying this over myself every day. It would be good for you to declare this over yourself. So I'm going to say it like I say it over myself. You receive it for yourself. I trust... The God inside of me. I trust the God inside of me. You can look at me. I say that over myself every day, and for over a year, however long it's been that I've said that, amazing revelation has come to me about that. I could, I, could, I could spend the rest of the time and even longer today talking about how you can look at that, about trusting the God that's inside of you versus what? Outside of you? Well, Ephesians 3 and 20 says, Now to him who is able, meaning God, him who is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that I ask or think according to the power that is working inside of me. To him who is able. See, God is able, but God is limited based on how much I trust my relationship with God internally versus what I trust visually. Some people trust in governments. Some pe people trust in careers. Some people trust in money. Some people trust in this. What God wants is for us to trust Him for all those things. So you can have all of that. You can have a great government. You can have a great career. Whatever it is that God put you here to accomplish. You can have all the money. You're, God created us to be rich. Everybody say rich. He didn't create you to be poor. He created you to be rich. Say it again. No, no, no. Say it. Say it like you mean it. Say rich. God created us to be rich. Okay? But He didn't create riches to have us. He created us to trust the God inside of us. And when I trust the God inside of me, what happens is my vision begins to be clear. Where it's clouded, um, I, I, don't, I don't know when it was, several years back, but I was doing some, I was doing some a workout, and it, during this workout, something hit my eye, and it, and it, and it just, it, it hit it really hard, and it, it hit my eyeball, and from that day on, I began to see all kinds of um, floaters and 
kind of stars even, and, you know, and, it, and it took a while for that. And when that happened, I began to speak the word over it. Well, um, I don't know, somewhere in there, I had, to, I had to use glasses to get my driver's license. But I began to speak and declare over, over the, that eye that I could see clearly. Um, I went to the eye doctor, had an appointment at the eye doctor a while back, and when I went and I took the exam from the eye doctor, he says, well, you, you have 20-20, you don't need that on your license anymore. And, 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 and he kept asking me about things. I said, well, you know, I used to, th this happened to my eye, and I used to have all these floaters and those kind of things. And he says, is there anything floating in there right now? And I said, well, I had to wait for a minute. Yeah, there's one. He kind of tries to move around every once in a while. He said, there's just one? And I said, yeah, there's just one. And before, there could have been 14, 15 of them. But God's word works. You understand? And, and what happens when we're spiritually not connected to the word is that there's a lot of floaters trying to distract you spiritually, trying to get you to, you know, and, and then you've got to put on other kinds of glasses to try to make it work and, and try to figure things out. And sometimes the spiritual glasses, you know, are the things that we put on in the natural in our life uh, try to affect what God wants us to see spiritual, and that's why we need clarity. Um, again, again, clarity, one of the things that really hit me about clarity was the able, the, to be able to comprehend. When God is telling you something, that you can get it and then do it. I'm not just a hearer of the word, I'm, I'm a doer. If I'm a hearer and not a doer, James says that I'm deceived. There's deception involved. We want to just remove the deception. Why? If we've got all of God on the inside of us, why would I want to live deceived? Amen. Why? I don't want to live deceived. I'm, I'm living on top, not underneath. I am trusting the God on the inside of me. To him who is able, you know what? When I'm trusting the able one, he's the doing one. When I'm trusting the able one, he's able to do exceeding and abundantly above all I can ask or think. I don't know about you, but man, I can think and ask about some stuff. My thinker and my asker are not embarrassed. They're not timid. <laughs> I know how to ask and I know how to think. But I want my thinking and my asking in line with him, right? I want it in line with him. And when it is, then I can comprehend what it is that he has for me and I can receive it and not doubt and trust that even if it's not happening today or next week or next year, even if it's not happening in the time frame that I want to see it happen, it's coming because he said. And if God says, it's a done deal. God says it's done. And if you believe that, it's done. To him who is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we ask or think according to how much effort I'm putting into knowing and hearing God spiritually. It's not just hearing God with these ears. Today, you're hearing God with these ears because of what I'm preaching, because I'm preaching the Word. Now, you have to take that, and you have to process it, and you have to make sure that that lines up with what, you, with what the Word says to you. You understand? But 
When I preach the Word, I don't just talk about a bunch of stories. I put the Word in there because you have to have the Word because what I'm telling you today is what God told me to tell you. God told me to do a rerun and remind you of what we talked about at the beginning of the year because I promise you, you may have heard it then, but you need to hear it again. And I promise you, you need to be clear in your thinking today more than ever before. Can you say amen to that? So I want to read... Just a couple of stories in the Bible that we read back in that day. One is in Matthew 14. And verse, uh, we're going to start with verse 25. <clears throat> now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they, they, had, they had congregated together. Jesus told them to go to the other side and then he's, you know, uh, the storm hit and things happened and so he's he's you know kind of catching up to where they were supposed to be together and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea they were troubled saying it's a ghost and they cried out for fear but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying be of good cheer it is I do not be afraid <clears throat> okay so let's just say uh Let's just say, I won't mess any of these wires up, that I'm back here in the back, and you can't see me. And I say, baby, baby, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah? Yeah. So if he couldn't see me, how would he know it's me? knows my voice these guys are on the ship and I mean you know it's kind of rough out there there's some stuff going on that, you know I mean waves are beating against the ship and things are happening out there and and uh, I'm sure that they probably couldn't tell who it was but by this time this is the 14th chapter by this time maybe it's been a year. And uh, if they haven't been paying attention to what he's saying, maybe they don't know it's him. But he said, it's I. Don't be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So Jesus said, come. And in my story, and, and I'm just relating it to clarity, in, my, in, in this story and in, in what we shared at the beginning of the year, I made this point. And I'd never made this point before whenever I first said it. I'd never made this point before because I'd never really seen it like this before. But I saw something about this that, that really hit me. Jesus didn't tell Peter to come. Jesus didn't tell Peter to come. Jesus answered Peter's question. Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. What's Jesus going to say? Jesus going to lie to protect Peter? 
He just said, come, it's me. He's not going to lie. He can't lie. And it just hit me that there's a lot of things that we step out into sometimes because we're unfamiliar with the voice of the Lord. We're not confident. We don't have, what, what was that other definition? Absolute assurance. So relate that to your walk with God today where we're not sure if God said go or not, so we go and we kind of crash. Well, Peter walked a few steps. I don't know how many steps he walked. He walked. But then what happened? He began to look around. So what that represents to us is the unfamiliarness to the voice of God. If you're not familiar, if you're not producing and creating that absolute assurance day-to-day with God, there'll be things that you'll walk out on, and you may take a step or two out there, but all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I've never done this before. Oh my gosh, what about this? Oh my gosh, the wind and the waves. Well, I mean... It really doesn't matter if there's wind and waves or whatever. Anybody ever walked on a calm day on a pool? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right? It really doesn't matter whether there's waves or not, you know. He began to sink because he's why he's looking. Well, relate that to our life on a day-to-day basis. We need the word. What did we read in the beginning? I find no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I have no greater desire than to know that my kids are walking in the truth. Why? Because there's water-walking situations that we need faith in God, and without faith in God, you're going to sink. I'll just tell you this. Peter wasn't supposed to walk on the water. And Jesus told him who it was. Why do you think Peter said, if it's you, tell me to come walk on the wall? I mean, that didn't even make any sense. I mean, to me it would be more like, you know, here's the boat. Uh, if it's you, can you come a little closer so I can make sure it's you? I mean, what, 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 what? What's that about? He wasn't supposed to walk. Jesus didn't call him. Don't think that Jesus called him and it didn't work. Mm. Jesus just answered his question. And that's what we have to, that's why the word brings that clarity that empowers us to see the doors and the opportunities that are there for us and I mean, I, I, you've heard different people. Fabian shared some things. Uh, Sander and Brian have shared things as, as they have done, as, as they've been up here doing offerings and those kind of things. Jessica shared things. Different ones have come up here and shared things that God is doing and speaking to them and, 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 and you know, telling them and, and revealing to them that these are doors of opportunity and do what I want you to do and you'll see it work. Many of you have told me testimonies since the first of the year, things, opportunities that are opening up. Listen, it's not about you hear something taught and then the, the door opens instantly all the time. Sometimes they do. But it's about being convinced of how clear my soul needs to be with God. Because when my soul is clear, then I'm listening to the voice of my spirit. My conscience is the voice of my spirit. My spirit My human spirit and the Holy Spirit are one. Holy Spirit tells my spirit what's what. So does my flesh. So do my emotions. So so does areas of my unrenewed mind. But what God wants me to be is more convinced of the voice internally 
than I am of what I see and what I hear. Because what I see and hear creates a voice in my head, and there's not just one voice that comes through your head, there's many voices. There's only one Spirit of God, but there's many other voices. God wants us to be, as we read in John 10, you know, in the last few weeks, my sheep hear my voice, and what do they do? They follow. I'm a follower of Jesus. Amen? I follow him. I follow his voice. I learn his voice. It becomes more clear to me every day because when he tells me to do something and I do it, it produces. We've seen things at Gates, especially in the last year or two, that we have heard from God. We've done it, and it's produced. And it's just going to continue to produce because we're confident that we hear his voice and we do what he tells us to do. Can you say amen to that? The other story is Romans 4. Romans 4, and um, starting with verse 17. And this is, this is the story of Abraham, and you know, you know his story. Most of you do, you know his story. And if you go and read about Abraham in the Old Testament, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of disobedience and things that he did that were not right. Uh, he'd be... You know, there was a time in the church world he'd been hung out to dry in America for some of the things that he did. I mean, you know, he didn't do some good stuff, and God called him the father of nations. And, you know, other people would have called him some, some ugly names, right? Like liar and a few other choice words. Anyway, but Abraham got it. And when he got the revelation about 24 years in, he began to call himself the father of nations. And when he began to call himself that, his 90-plus-year-old wife, him almost 100, they conceived and had a child. How impossible is that? world we live in and what we know about those kind of things, that's absolutely impossible. This wasn't, this wasn't the Holy Spirit and Mary. This is a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman having relations together and producing a child. Why? Because he believed. I mean, what if he'd have believed in the first year? Well, how many women do you know that have bore children, you know, at 69? Not very many, right? How, how, how many people do we know that have that, that have done any of those different ages it happened when he believed i say it happened when he believed what did it take for the belief clarity absolute assurance and that is what we read about abraham in the new testament you don't read anything about abraham in the new testament that's not covered in the blood of jesus <laughs> all, all the all the comments about abraham in the new testament are 24 years in and on of his connection with God. When he met God, he was 75. When they conceived, he was 99. And this is what is said about him. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Who contrary to hope, in hope, believed, in hope, who, who contrary to hope, 
in hope believed. He was in contrary to hope at 75, at 80, at 85, at 90, at 95, and at 99, he believed. Anybody ever walk that journey? Man, you're struggling with this thing, and this thing is trying to overcome you. Listen to me. I'm going to read a verse of Scripture to you in a moment, and if you get this verse of Scripture, and you keep it, and you keep hold of it, it'll work for you the same way that it worked for Abraham. Actually, before I read this, I'm going to read the verse of Scripture I was going to read after this. But it's so exciting, I have to read it now. And it's found in John chapter 8, and verse 31. Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The King James uses the word continue. If you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The difference in Abraham and many other people in the Bible is that Abraham continued in the Word. He continued with God. And it took him 24 years, but he finally believed. So no matter how long things have taken for you, I don't care if it's been five years. You may think, well, you know, man, I've been doing this for 10 years and I've just not seen it happen. Hey, I mean, you know, you're not even halfway to Abraham. But what happened to him for the rest of his life was supernatural. Everything in his life was supernatural. You know, I, I mean, I, I, I weep when I think about this. But to be able to trust, to have the ability in you to trust the God inside of you, it's worth more than anything. It's, it, it's, it's more valuable than rubies, than money, than anything in life. To be able to trust the God that's in you. The only way you can trust that God is with the Word. If you continue in my Word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth. And one translation says it like this, and the truth that you know will set you free. That's what happened with Abraham. And in this Romans 4 um, In this Romans 4, now I'm going to read from verse 18. Who contrary to hope, in hope, he believed. So that he became the father of many nations. He became what God had said he was 25 years earlier. He became that. How? Because he believed it. How did he believe it? Because he began to say it. He began to say that over himself and about himself. He became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall my descendants be. Who's that? (laughs) I mean, I can't, I wouldn't be able to see it. I mean, I've written stuff in here, but it always deletes. I don't know what I do, but in my paper Bible, I've written in there, so shall Bert be, so shall Becky be, so shall my family be, so shall gates of the city be, so shall we be, 
so shall my descendants be, and not being weak in faith. I mean, go back to the Old Testament. You can read about all the weakness of his faith. But today, because he believed, what, what, what did Paul say? One thing I do, forgetting what's behind, I press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Right? Forget what's behind me. When you begin to believe, I mean, the things of the past, man, they're done. See, other people can remind you of your past, but if you're reminding yourself of your past, you're defeated. That's why Paul said, one thing I do. He killed Christians. I mean, I mean he didn't just kill a few. He killed Christians thinking he was doing it for God. You think he had some regrets? You didn't think he knew some of those people and their families? You think he started preaching the gospel and these people look at him like, you know what, I'm taking a knife to your throat. One thing I do. He took responsibility. That's why it took him so long to step into ministry. It was years and years and years of preparation time for ministry. Not only was it for him, but people had to be able to gravitate toward him after he killed their fathers and mothers and, and relatives and different ones that he killed in, in the name of God. One thing I do, forgetting what's behind. That's what Abraham did. That's what you and I have to do day to day today. But you'll never do it if you're not clear in who you are in God and what his word is saying about you and, your, and, and where you're at and your destiny and your future. Not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he's about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. And, and you, you have to put in there, he, he, he said he didn't consider his body almost 100 years old in relation to he and his wife having a child. Well, whatever your situation is, which nobody in here today has that issue, you know, here that's sitting in here today has this issue, but you've got to be able to put issues that you face and relate them to your life, not just remembering the story about Abraham. Yeah, that's a great story, but I've got to apply that to my life in the things that seem impossible. Things that seem discouraging, where the enemy's lying to you and telling you things that are not true. You've got to be not moved by what you see and hear, but you've got to be confident, absolutely persuaded. And that's what he was here. He said, <clears throat> he said, and not being weak in faith, verse 19, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, verse 21, and being fully convinced, fully assured. That's what clarity is. Being fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able to perform. I just tell you today, come on, give God praise for that. He's able to do it. And he will do it if we engage. There's a lot of people today that I know, a lot of people. Started with God, they're not walking with God today. And you know why? Because of this. God didn't do what he said. Something didn't turn out and work the way that they had anticipated it would. But there's more to it than just hoping something's going to come to pass. It's you, over time, and over discouragement, and things that you've gone through, and all that, Staying true, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and it'll make you, it'll liberate your life, it'll liberate everything around you. 
It'll liberate your children. It'll liberate the, you, you know, issues with other people, situations that seem impossible, that you, it seems like you have no answers, but the Word is the answer. It's got every answer. And it's not forced. You can't force the Word to be something and say something. It has to come from within. See, that connection from within is the key to everything that I need to operate in this life. Can you say amen to that? He is being fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able to perform, and 11 months later, the child. 11 months later, his child. The things that Job feared and dreaded, they came upon him. Nine months later, double blessing. Why? He got rid of the fear. He got rid of the stuff. He got confident in God. He trusted the God inside of him, which he wasn't inside of him in those days, but he trusted the God in his life. He trusted God more than he, than he trusted anything else, and fear took him to that place of destruction. Lost everything. Lost it all, and it came back double to him. Why? Because he got rid of the fear. Because he trusted God. When you and I can trust the God inside of us, there are no limitations. There's nothing that can't happen in your life today. Amen? In the name of Jesus. One last verse, and I'll end with this. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 1. This is the story, and we'll go, like I said, go back and listen to these messages starting the, the Sunday after Christmas of 2018 through the 27th of January. <clears throat> Other than Word First, all these messages are there, and, and you'll get the totality of it. I'm just doing a little rerun of, of these messages and gave you some things to be encouraged about. No matter how far you've come since the beginning of this year, just continue. Just don't. Stop. Galatians 6, 9. If you don't quit, you'll reap. Just don't quit. There can be weariness, there can be frustration, there can be this, that, or the other. And I'm telling you today, God is faithful to his word and to his promises. How many in here today, you believe that you're healed? How many believe you're healed? Now put your hands down. And, and you, you don't have to raise your hand when I ask you this question. It doesn't matter. I'm just trying to make a point. How many in here today have symptoms in your physical body of something? You, you, you can just say there's, there's symptoms in your body. You're not claiming those, but there's symptoms in your physical body. Anybody? Just lift your hand up high. you got symptoms in your body. I tell you today that God is faithful. And what he has promised... And, and you, as you go through the Word, you go all through the Word, you'll find everywhere in there, Old and New Testament, that God sent His Word, Jesus Christ, and He healed us. Multiple, just Scripture after Scripture after Scripture that says things in line with that. God sent His Word, Jesus, and He healed you. The more you get that, the more you meditate on it, the more you thank God for it, it becomes a belief that comes in here, so the symptoms have to go. When you believe it here, the symptoms have to go. They have to go. God, God's word is true. He can't lie. It's true. When you get it in here, they have to go. 
And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, a symptom could get really bad. Things can get really bad. Whatever. You stay to the Word, and God is faithful to His Word. Yeah, but Pastor, you know, what, what if I was believing the Word and I, and I, and I died? Then... You step right over to the other side, and bless God, there you are with Him. It's a win-win. You can't lose. You can't lose. You can't lose. It did not change His Word, but you can't lose. That's where we're on today. We can't lose. The children of Israel in the wilderness, they moaned, groaned, and complained. They didn't believe. There were a couple of guys that believed. And it affected a lot of other people. And so there was a good majority of them that believed. But all the people that didn't believe didn't enter into the promises. And Hebrews 4.1 says this, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us, us, it's being preached to you today, as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. <clears throat> not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. If I've heard people say one time and use the children of Israel dying in the wilderness to compare to things that they're going through in their life, if I've heard it once, I've heard it I don't know how many times through my 40 plus years of salvation. And every time I hear it, I know it's not true. That, that may upset you, that may offend you or whatever. I, I'm not saying it to offend you, I'm just telling you. God led them out of Egypt to lead them into the promised land. They didn't enter the promises of God, which today is not a piece of land for us. It's everything that God has promised. They didn't enter in because they didn't mix faith with what they heard. They didn't, when, 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 some, when there was a tough situation and they were up against all kinds of things, just like we are today, instead of grabbing their hands of their kids and their wife, we're going to believe God, we're standing, we're going to trust the God that's inside of us, even though He wasn't inside of me, you know what I mean. We're going to trust this God. We're believing for this. We don't have any water, we don't know how it's going to come, but Father, we look to You today. Poof, water. It would have come that way. Instead, it had to come through Moses, you know, sweating it out and wearing himself out. And, you know, can, I mean, I can't even imagine. But they didn't mix faith with what they heard, so they didn't enter in to receive the promises. Same with us. Everybody take a deep breath. Breathe out. Everybody's in the same boat. So, where you haven't mixed faith, what do you do? Forgetting what's behind. Man, I'm taking it today. I'm going to do it today. Now I'm pressing forward today. I'm moving into this thing today. I'm going to learn what mixing faith is really all about. What mixing faith is, is to say, Pastor said today that sin doesn't have dominion over my life. It takes you taking something like that, saying it every day till it becomes real to you. That's how you mix faith with what you hear. You're putting action to the things that you've heard instead of just thinking you heard something sound good. Well, surely that'll work. No. It takes you playing your part.